Perry, and this is Cemetery Row. Yes. Yeah. We had to yell at Hannah. That's true. Um, hi, everyone. Hi. We want to wish a happy birthday to Miss Rosie. She turned a year old today. Oh, yeah. She's over here cleaning her big old jiggly belly. (laughs) So does this make her a Pisces like you? Yes. That explains a lot. It does. blesser i know um yeah um i told the girls before we um dug deep into our stories today that i wanted to go off on a quick tangent yeah i'll try to keep it short because it's y'all didn't y'all didn't come here for a tangent but i feel like it's important well the south the south is wild and that's what's going on in the south and it's just you're not kidding so tennessee is trying to just be the worst state ever they have bagged banned drag performances so this summer will be the last drag performances we get in the state of tennessee um i have drag friends all over the world literally Mm -hmm. drag friends from here to australia and back again I I'm sick of this attack on drag on drag queens and drag kings. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason to ban drag performances. Drag is literally an amazing, beautiful form of self-expression. I feel like this is a First Amendment right violation. I feel like this is just incredibly just debilitating to these people who need to express themselves in this way plus for a lot of people including one of my very good friends one of my co-workers who was arrested this week for protesting about this ban it's their livelihood that is how they make their income and i'm not cool with that um if you want to support my friend who is my co-worker uh please go listen to the musing with mothy podcast hosted by the incredible drag queen moth 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 um, that is out there on the interwebs for you to find. So I highly recommend that podcast anyway. Um, and I'm also not cool with any of this, um, banning transgender, uh, care for kids, like that kids underage can't start any kind of gender affirming care. That is BS. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I know that me saying that doesn't really do much. It's not going to change anything, but Um, If we do have any drag queens or kings who are listening, just know that we love you and we support you. And if we have any trans listeners, we love you and support you as well. And no child was ever diddled at a drag show. No. Never. Them them Catholic priests now. Uh, Right. Yep. And the Southern Baptist Convention has a I literally, I literally texted a friend this week and said, Hey, please tell me you don't go to the church with this new child molester that was just arrested back in Tupelo. Like, you know, like, oh my God, why are they always in the church? Why are they always in the church? Because it gets you close to power and children. Yeah. Basically. I mean, you know, that's why they become teachers sometimes too, or coaches or people in positions of authority and trust. I mean, and you know what they're not doing? They're not doing drag. Do y'all remember? uh, Oh God, this, this, I think this came out. There was a video on TikTok. I'm going off on a complete tangent about the guy 
that his he was in love with this girl from the age of 14 <gasps> and yes. celebrated yes. on her 18th Pastor. birthday. That oh. happened at my high school. There was so a girl creepy. who he wait <laughs> he, he was a coach too. And he Ew. so nasty. And as soon as she graduated high school, he married her. And it was y'all want to talk so about nasty. grooming. That's grooming. Yes, absolutely. And also, when you say that your toddler has a boyfriend or a girlfriend at daycare, or he's going to be a heartbreaker, it's creepy, or that, and, and or you know, oh, her daddy better get a shotgun. Now. I know. All of that is grooming. All and and it's grooming. all sexualizing children. And I'm like. Which, should not be happening. That's weird. And I still say gender um, reveals are weird. And I just I'm sorry, understand. but the South needs to stop worrying so much about sex and sex and needs to worry instead about how we're all McDuff. You cannot have those, my dude. Stop it. Anyway, um, sorry, I had to hide something from the it's cat. It's probably the ginger. My cat's like, He's like oh, it's the ginger. It's 100% the ginger. Anyway, um, but yeah, well, the South needs as- to stop worrying so much about how, about sex and who's having it with who, because that's no one's business. It costs and you nothing to pay. children. I know. It costs you nothing to pay attention to well, your business. And, and it's need to worry about how we're all poor and how our roads suck and we ain't got health care. Yeah. And Jackson and didn't have clean drinking water. And they probably still don't. Probably still don't. Well, and as the resident queer, like people think about, and let's face it, they're thinking about man on man sex. They're not thinking about women on women. I mean, because Pornhub releases their, you know, Mm -hmm. stats every year and um, Mississippi loves them some female on female sex. Um, They also like transgender porn. We see you. Um, But in queer spaces where I am, we don't think about sex uh, no. more than your average straight does. Right. I mean, it's just, you know, granted, we're all in our late 30s and we're tired. So it's like, I don't fucking know. Well, but I mean. And two, they they get focused on the wrong thing with sex because it's protect the children or do this or do this, whatever. But yet Tennessee just killed all funding for HIV and AIDS programs. Because they couldn't discriminate. Yep. And, and Mississippi what, has and who an has incredible the worst? rate of neonatal syphilis. Yeah. And Memphis is like the worst or almost the worst oh, yeah. for HIV. But yet you're not going to fund that. You're going right. to let. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. And not to be Godwin's law about it. But history doesn't always repeat. But it often rhymes. Mm-hmm. The very first book burnings in the 30s in Germany, the ones that we all see yeah. were gender studies. Yep. yep were yep, yep. studies from this specific researcher who was researching transgender issues. It yeah. was his library that they burned first. This is how this shit starts. It is a hundred percent. So if you all... see something like, and we were talking about before about how you know it does feel helpless. Yeah, um, you know, to kind of scream into the abyss, and the abyss is like, "Ma'am, this is a Wendy's," um, <laughs> basically. Yeah. But if you have any kind of privilege, if you were straight cis, you know, if you pass as any of those things, yeah, stand up for these people. Yes, put yourself between them, and you know, make it clear to your terrible papa and everybody in your church yeah. that you support your trans friends and you support yep. drag performance 
in all of this like make it known and make bigots feel uncomfortable again yeah like yeah they you know dolt 45 really empowered the worst among us and i really would like them to shut the fuck up you know i've been on a a, well not really a t-shirt buying (laughs) binge lately because i don't i can't afford them but I, the day that my drag is not a crime shirt arrived in the mail was the same day that moth got arrested. Oh, no. ah, and then um, that same day, um, because I was just feeling feisty, I wore my um, cat lovers against white supremacy shirt claws <laughs> and it has it. an angry cat on it. And I just love to wear that around because you can tell people's eyes kind of snap at you like white supremacy. What are you for it? And I'm like, no, of course not. And then when they read it, they're like, Especially white people, they're like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and I'm like, registers. no, I'm not. I'm, I'm a white girl who's not for white supremacy. Thank you. Anyway, um, I just I like wearing t-shirts that upset my conservative neighbors here in this little county. Just like anyway. our band bigots, not books shirt. I get that's right. Compliments on that. I do too. The little uh, what, what's the Gen Zers that work at the little shops I go into? Like, yeah. yeah, no, I see you. Yeah, I got my breed band books flag outside. Like I'm, yeah, I upset the masses. That's what I'm here I for. love that. Speaking of upsetting the masses, yep. Now that I've gone on my tangent, um, let me entertain the masses or the masses who can come to Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis. Um, last week I did my first cemetery walk, which is just a fun half hour 45 minute walk around the cemetery where you might hear a few stories but mostly I'm there to walk you through and answer questions or whatever we had a great time and I have two more of those coming up one on March 15th and one on March 29th I think I don't see there it is it is on this on the I just didn't scroll down far enough on the website I'm special anyway then I have two true crimes of bygone times tours at Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis, May 27th and April 22nd. I said those out of order, but you get the idea. Yeah. And hopefully in June, I will be premiering a new tour. Um, It's my writer's tour. I finished the script literally Monday. I've got to learn it and start kind of walking it and testing it and all that this month. And hopefully it'll be ready to go in June. Yay! Right in time for the heat of the summer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, tip your tour guides, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Please do. And and friends beyond the binary. Um, So, yeah, there's that. Speaking of those walks, shout out to listener Hannah. Hannah, Hannah, not Hannah. <laughs> I was about to say. I'm like, sorry. Excuse me. I was looking at Hannah and, and and changing screens, and it was weird. Um, Lindsay, who was our future ghost email writer, um, yes. she wrote that email a few weeks ago and was like, "I'm future ghost Lindsay," and I'm like, "Do you know I have a tattoo that says future ghost? Like this is weird." She did not, but we met for the first time at my cemetery walk last week. She and her daughter were absolute delights. She made my dream come true of in my opening ramble of here's the history of the cemetery. I do this here. I also have a podcast about cemeteries and she goes, and it's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes. thank you. 
Um, so shout out to Lindsay. Um, I hope you can make it to more events. I know she's coming to one of the true crime tours. I'm not sure which one, but um, I'm looking forward to that. And then also, I just want to give a shout out. I know ever so often we shout out Miss Molly Monsters, our crocheting we love friend. Yeah, we do love her. her. I just want to shout out to her for being my Murdoch trial watch buddy. Um, she we started messaging each other during the trial and just being like, can you believe this guy or whatever? And it was a delight to to go through that experience with her. So thank yes. you, Miss Molly Monsters. Okay. So anything else, ladies? I think we're good. <laughs> All right. Well, this week's topic is world record breakers and holders. Anyone who has ever broken a record of any kind. This week, I'm talking about two Libras who broke world records for doing things for the longest amounts of time. And they did some interesting things during those times. I'm going to kick us off with a person. And then I'm going to finish this episode with a non-person. And I think I know which non-person it is now that you said doing something the longest. I think I I I I came across your final while I was trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do. So you might have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and then L- Hannah and Lori are going to go after me. I don't know who's going first or second. I'll go, f- I'll go first after you. Yeah. Cool. We'll figure it all out. Cool. Okay. Well then I'm going to start us off with one of the coolest people I've ever read about who has one of the coolest tombstones ever. So picture it, October 5th, 1928, Chicago, Illinois, Ooh. Herbert Rogers Kent who would later become known as Herb Kent, the cool gent, is born. (laughs) Very nice. Herb. So Herb Kent was an only child. Um, At the age of six, he fell in love with radio. Okay. Um, He was a young black boy, and there was a local blues station in the area that was his favorite, so he loved to listen to the blues. And uh, he attended Hyde Park High School. And while he was there, he was a member of the school's radio club. And he said he built radios for fun. Like he admitted it later. He was like, I was a nerd. (laughs) That's back in the day, too. Yeah. Um, Hyde Park is on the south side, by the way, for anyone who was wondering. Cool. Um, so there was a radio station, WBEZ, in 1944. They had this, They're you know, around. WBEZ. Cool. Yes. Uh, well, I'm going to give out a lot of call letters here. So just. <laughs> uh, so this radio station was doing the, these highly competitive workshops and he was accepted to one of these. And this got him a job hosting a classical music show. And while he was in high school, he really enjoyed working in like theater, like building sets and performing in the ensemble. As you can imagine, a kid who's interested in radio just somehow naturally, I don't know how they do, when they have that just innate interest in radio, somehow they are also born with a great radio voice. And he does. He has a great radio voice. I love it. So he went to Northwestern University, and then by the late 40s, his radio career really kicked off. He acted in radio dramas, and he worked at a bunch of different stations covering all kinds of different music. Um, He did a country and Western show at WGES, and that's actually where he got a really big fan, fan base. Awesome. And then in the 50s, he became known as the King of the Dusties. 
he was playing oldies that he called Dusty Records. They were oldies, so they were dusty. This was at WBEE in Harvey, Illinois. Um, But then in March of 63, he headed up um, the lineup of disc jockeys at a new college radio station, WVON. And this station played uncompromising soul style rhythm and blues. I love that phrase. Yeah, that's awesome. Herb had the 7.30 to 11 p.m. time slot. And he, like I said, had a wonderful voice. Yeah. Okay. Hey, what else were you going to do in the 60s? A lot of people right? couldn't afford TV. That's true. Like my mom didn't have a TV. Like her family didn't have a TV in 63. So, you know, radio was your entertainment. So, there you go. Um, so yeah, so this is where he gets a really huge following. The station was basically the most popular black station in America. And her became the most popular DJ. This is kind of where he becomes a legend. And a writer named Robert Pruder wrote in his book, Chicago Soul, that Herb Kent had a distinct on-air style. And this is a quote from the book. Unlike many other DJs of the day, black or white, he never shouted or screamed or used artificial pitter-patter. He always talked in a, in a conversational, ultra-cool style. Oh, Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And this oh, is yeah. where he gets his nickname, Herb Kent, the cool gent, which I love. That's so cute. Um, His listeners really felt like they knew him personally. He just had this, you know, wonderful sort of just conversational style. He had a great sort of interview style when he talked to guests and things. Um, You can actually hear his voice. There's a wonderful website called thehistorymakers.org. And this is, I'm dying to work for this organization. (laughs) They are um, collecting Black history narratives. Uh, Oh, that's awesome. interviews with as many black history makers as possible for this archive so they can tell the story of black people in america and so they have several interviews with him um on their website so you can see him and listen to him talk um and so yeah the historymakers.org i really recommend that website it's very cool um so herb kent was a dj during some of the best years of music, I mean, there's nothing better than that old Motown and Stacks and all that kind of music. But then, of course, it is the 60s. There's a lot of social unrest. Mm-hmm. Um, he, of course, Chicago. yeah, uh, he, of course, was a civil rights activist and he spoke out about his views as he should. Um, what I thought was cool was he and Stevie Wonder, of all people, co-hosted a program for Dr. Martin Luther King's visit to Chicago, which ended up being his last visit to Chicago. And following Dr. King's assassination, um, Herb was the voice on WVON calling for calm. And he took to the streets to report on riots and protests in Chicago that were that were happening following his assassination. And I thought this was really cool, too. He would actually broadcast his show. Um, from a different high school each, I think, I don't know if it was a weekend night or whatever, but from a different high school every week. So to give like the local kids something to do, like trying to keep them off the streets, give them, you know, like a place to gather and dance and hang out and all that that was safe. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and of course, because Chicago is such a huge market, Herb was able to play some of the first Motown and R&B hits 
Um, but I read something, I've got it in a quote later where like Barry Gordy would just send this station the hits first. So they were really the first to premiere a lot of, you know, these huge songs, classics. Hell yeah. Um, and he was able to launch the careers of artists like the Temptations and Smokey Robinson, Curtis Mayfield, Minnie Ripperton. I mean, just the greats, you know. And during the 60s, he also had his own R&B venue called the Times Square Club in Chicago. Oh. Now, in the late 70s, he was fired from WVON. The owner said he had low energy and that radio was a young man's game. Okay. Um, right. He was just 48. So I'm like, but a lot of people said it was a cost-cutting measure. Like they were trying to sell the station and rah, rah, rah. But that doesn't stop him. He keeps working, obviously. Um, one of the coolest things he did was he went to WXFM and started a punk and new wave show called stay, stay up and punk out. This was at like his daughter's insistence because she was like punk and new wave. This is like the late, late seventies, early eighties It's becoming huge. You need to tap into this. And he actually loved Devo and B-52s and all this. And so this kind of helped grow the punk and new wave scene in Chicago, which I thought was just so rad. I'm like, that that is so cool. In the mid-90s, he was the host of the Steppin' It Club 7, a dance show on WLS in Chicago. Um, the title came from Chicago Stepping, which was a dance style he loved to do. He also taught radio broadcasting at Chicago State University. And in 1995, Herb Kent was in- inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Amazing. And I mean, as you can imagine, that or imagine, what did I say? As you <laughs> can imagine, Herb was a big influence for aspiring black broadcasters um, who grew up listening to him. And he was known for giving back to his community. That was really important to him. A uh, street was named after him in 1996. So you can drive down Herb Kent Drive, which I think is rad. Um, In 1998, he was recognized with the dedication of a U.S. stamp bearing his image that was included in that year's Golden Days of Radio series. And the next year, he was named the Honorary Mayor of Bronzeville, which is his neighborhood in Chicago. Yeah. He returned to WVON on the FM side in 1999, and around the same time, he started writing uh, columns for Indigo Magazine, a black magazine based in Chicago. Now, here's where we have his world record holding. In 2009, Herb Kent was recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records for the, quote, longest career as a radio presenter slash DJ male. I didn't look up who the female was. Delilah, maybe? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Um, by this time, uh, his career spanned from 1944 to 2009. That is 65 years on the air. Man. Lord. In 2009, he also published his autobiography, which has a wonderful title, too, called The Cool Gent, The Nine Lives of Radio Legend Herb Kent. <laughs> Love it. Um, In his last remaining years, he continued to win awards. He received the Chicago Crusaders Crusading Pioneer Award in 2015. He received the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Chicago Defender and Real Times Media at the Men of Excellence Awards Dinner in 2016. And that same year, he was also inducted into the Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame. 
And unfortunately, we lost Herb Kent on October 22nd, 2016. He was 88 years old, and he had given what would turn out to be his final broadcast that morning. So his entire career went from 1944 to 2016. That is 72 years. Man, 72 years on the air. Um, So he is buried at Washington Memorial Gardens in Homewood, Illinois, which I'm guessing is a Chicago suburb. Yeah. Um, And he has some wonderful neighbors. I've got to go to this place next time we go up there. Absolutely. Some of the other famous folks buried at this cemetery are Bernie Mac. Shout Mm -hmm. out to Bernie Mac. Blues artist Hubert Sumlin, Luther Allison and Coco Taylor and R&B singer Major Lance. And as I said, his cool, his, his tombstone is one of the coolest ones I've ever seen. So, um, picture, um, Herb, Herb, Herb Kent, I kept wanting to call him Herb Gent. (laughs) Herb Kent (laughs) is this, you know, very nice looking black man with a big old cowboy hat. Everywhere he went, he wore a cowboy hat. He loved sort of that old school Western wear and his tombstone has a drawing of him in his cowboy hat, which I love. It has his name and his dates and a Bible verse. He has John 3.15. And it also reads, these are the three coolest quotes on a tombstone ever. Okay, here are the three quotes. Herb Kent, the cool gent. I'm so cool, I froze in my clothes. <laughs> and legends never die. Like, uh, yes. I oh, love this tombstone so much. I'm so cool. I froze in my clothes. <laughs> like, that's my awesome. dad's version I of that love is so it. cool. You piss ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, oh my goodness. So I have two quotes that were said about him that I wanted to share. Um, the Reverend Jesse Jackson said, um, when he heard that Herb Kent had died, he said, a piece of soul heaven has has opened up today. The cool gent has gone home. And he said Kent was among the proud posse of African-American disc jockeys and producers, men and women, who turned WVON radio into the voice of a nation during the freedom struggle of the 1960s. The station was the go-to spot on the radio radio dial for the latest news about the civil rights movement and the hottest sounds from Motown. Barry Gordy sent every song he produced to WVON before anywhere else. If a song got played on WVON, word spread quickly across the country. Another hit was coming out of Chicago. Herb and the good and the other good guys, including such legends as Don Cornelius, Lucky Cordell, and Bernadine C. Washington, helped make a sky full of stars. No. And then there's a wonderful poem about him that was written by Jamila Woods, a poet from Chicago. It's a wonderful poem describing him. Uh, It's called The Ode to Herb Kent. And I pulled out this part in particular because, oh my God, this woman's writing is incredible. And the way she describes this DJ. And I think we all know a DJ from our hometowns that we grew up listening to that they're kind of, you know, the soundtrack to your life. And I just think she said this beautifully. She said, you're, you soundtrack the church picnic, the trunk party, Cynthia's 50th birthday bash, the car ride to school, choirs, checkers, your voice stretch across the, our eardrums like daddy asleep on the couch, like grandma's sweet potato pie, sound like the cigarette she hide in her purse for rough days. 
you should showed us what our mama's mamas must have moved to. No, that is Herb Kent, the cool gent, one of the coolest people I've ever learned about and who enjoyed a record-breaking 72 years on the air. That's insane. That is amazing. Yeah, he is awesome. All right, ladies. All right. Okay. I think it's me. And my guy is also very cool. And I may have to drop the picture of his grave into the chat because, um, I, it, it gives me certain thoughts and I want to see if y'all think the same thing when you see how it's positioned, um, the rest of his family. So, oh my. Okay. And I'm stealing your starting point, Tina. So sorry, not sorry. (laughs) All right. Picture it. (laughs) Alton, Illinois, a cute little suburb north Why of St. Louis. Everyone coming for my. I know. Here. I know. I know. It's it's an Illinois centric episode, I guess. February twenty second, nineteen eighteen, Addie Wardlaw has just given birth to her first child, an about eight and a half pound bouncing baby boy. She and her husband Harold named Robert Pershing Wadlow. Ringing any bells yet? I know not yet. Name. Okay. What year was it? It was 1918. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Everything about Robert seemed entirely normal, except for one thing. Oh, Sheena knows. She's she's nodding. He was growing at an exceptionally fast rate. Okay. In fact, by the time he was six months old, he weighed a whopping 30 pounds. Woo! Jeez. That's a baby. <laughs> Within another year, his weight had doubled, and by the time he was six, he weighed 195 pounds and was almost six feet tall. At what age? Six. Going into kindergarten. And he's six feet tall. Just about, yeah. Six years old. Yeah. And he was wearing clothes that would fit a 17-year-old. Yeah, I bet. Grief. Lord Almighty. He was eventually God bless that mama. I know. He was eventually joined by two sisters, Helen and Betty, and two brothers, Eugene and Harold Jr., and none of them exhibited the the same extreme growth as Robert. Uh by the time he was 8, he was big and strong enough to carry his dad up and down the stairs of the family home. <laughs> I love it. At the age of 10, he was 6 foot 5 and 210 pounds. All right. And his shoe size was 17 and a half, which I didn't even know was a, a shoe size. I yeah, I didn't either. That, that was a possibility. <laughs> Besides the fact that he was enormous, he was a relatively healthy child. So it wasn't until he was almost 12 years old that he visited Barnes Hospital in St. Louis for testing when it was determined that his rapid growth rate was due to hyper hyperplasia of his pituitary gland Mm. so basically his body was producing a significant amount of hgh the growth hormone um and because of the early 1900s of it all there was no medical intervention that would be able to stall his growth and he continued growing up until his death so he never stopped growing um but today this condition can be slowed with medication and surgery so you know, it's not likely um, that many children born today would would have to live with the same issues he did. Right. His childhood was mostly uneventful. He was quiet. He loved his mama. 
His, his hobbies included collecting stamps, photography, and he even helped his siblings raise more than $100, which is the equivalent of $1,700 today Ooh. in one day with a lemonade stand. Oh, even as a kid, he understood marketing. And when <laughs> customers would come up because they wanted to see him, he would not stand up unless they bought a drink. Yeah. Oh, Love very it. smart. I like this kid. Oh, awesome. He's going kid. places. Just re- really, really knew marketing well. Like I, I see you, Robert. Um, <laughs> he, there was a special desk built for him so that he could attend the school and just be like a normal kid. He was an avid reader. He loved boys' adventure stories, and it's thought that he read about 300 books a year. So he's a very smart kid, too. Wow. He was a member of his local Boy Scouts troop, and by the age of 13, he was the largest Boy Scout in the world. I imagine. He weighed 270 pounds and was seven foot four. Jesus. Isn't that like the size of Shaq or something? Probably, yes. I mean, massive. The pictures of him, bless his heart. He was just immense. And just the idea of a Boy Scout being as big as Shaq. That's That's adorable. So he even, to to save money, he sold magazine subscriptions. And he was trying to get money saved up to start a savings account. But the Great Depression happened and the banks failed and he lost all of his money. Oh, no. Poor, poor Robert. Now, when he was 14, he broke two bones in his foot. And from then on, he required specialty braces and a cane because his bones struggled to handle his immense size. Yeah. Uh, When he was 17, he spent eight weeks in the hospital from an infection caused by a shoe pad that was supposed to support his arches. Mm -hmm. It took eight men and a specialized stretcher to bring him into the hospital. And that was a very traumatic experience for him he hated the hospital and you know obviously felt like he was a spectacle um and sadly he was plagued by foot issues for the rest of his life including a lack of sensation in his feet dr charles humbird who was a doctor studying gigantism met with him and determined that quote he is unaware of a wrinkle in his sock or a foreign body in his shoe until a blister followed by an ulcer is formed, end quote. And for those of you who know anything about diabetes, you know yeah. just how dangerous a foot ulcer can be. That right. is why diabetics lose their feet and their right. toes. Um, neuropathy is a real thing. Yeah. Foot problems aside, he continued to attend Alton High School. And in his senior year, he was the advertising manager for the yearbook. And he graduated in January of 1936. And barely a month after he graduated, he enrolled in Shirtliff College with the intention of studying to become a, a lawyer. I can't find anything definitive on whether or not he graduated. I It doesn't seem like he did because of what he did over the next few years, but he is listed as an alum when you yeah. Google the college. So I don't know about that, but he wanted to be yeah. a lawyer. Um, now, for a growth update, on his 18th birthday in February of 1936, he measured eight foot four. Oh my God. And weighed right. 390 pounds. God. That is a large man. And you know, I kind of feel bad for him because he, he can't was, just live his life. He was yeah. so sweet. He was like, I obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah. He seemed to be just the sweetest 
sweetest young man. And I just hate what happens to him, but we'll get to that in a minute. His clothes required three times the amount of cloth to make and his shoes, which by this time were a size 37 cost a hundred dollars a pair to make. And you know, he went through shoes. Oh yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, that's about $1,700 in today's money. So um, he did gain some fame when he joined the Ringling Brothers Circus for a promotional tour in 1936, but he refused to be viewed as a spectacle. They wanted him to dress in tucks and tails and a top hat, and he was like, fuck that. I'm going to wear my street clothes, and you can, you know, this is not, I'm not a joke to these people. Yeah. Um, The following year, he signed a deal with the International Shoe Company to serve as a Goodwill ambassador. And as a part of his contract, his shoes would be provided free of charge by the company. So Mm. it was a really good deal. Yeah. He viewed this partnership as marketing. It's advertising and nothing more. He didn't view it as, you know, I'm traveling around like a sideshow performer. He was like, this is just how I'm making my money. And that's, that's all it is. His Father had the passenger seat of his car removed so that Robert could sit in the back and stretch his legs out because he was so massive. Um, And they went on a tour for this shoe company. They drove more than 300,000 miles, hit more than 800 towns in 41 (laughs) states to promote the shoe ground. (laughs) That's a that's a tour. After participating in a 4th of July parade in Michigan in 1940, Robert developed a fever. The cause of the fever was determined to be an infected blister on his right ankle that was caused by a new iron brace that was chafing his ankle. He he refused to go to the hospital. I can understand that. Yeah. So a doctor was called to the room to see him. His condition was grave. He required emergency surgery and a blood transfusion, which I guess was conducted in the hotel room. I mean, 1940. Right. When his mom learned of his failing health, she and Harold Jr. flew to his bedside. And in the early morning hours of July 15th, 1940, Robert spoke his last words. He expressed sadness at the fact he was going to miss his grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary that would be at the end of the month. He says... He said, quote, the doctor says I won't get home for the celebrations, end quote. He then drifted to sleep and he passed away peacefully during the night. It was July 15th, 1940, and he was 22 years old. Oh, my God. He was just a little baby. Yeah. His body was brought back to Alton. At his peak height, he measured 8 feet, 11 inches tall. Woo. And weighed more than 450 pounds. Right. A nearly 11-foot-long steel coffin was built custom for him and weighed 1,000 pounds and required 16 people to carry. Right. Local businesses closed for the day and flew their flags at half-mast in his honor. His viewing and visitation lasted for over two days. And on July 19th, more than 35,000 guests attended his funeral. Wow. His funeral also included Masonic services, as he was a member of the Order of De Molay. Okay. A Masonic, <laughs> Mace, Masonic? What's that yeah. word? 
uh, organization for young men. So he was a mason on top of everything else. Yeah. All right. Uh, The coffin was too long to fit into the hearse. So the back door was left open. They did drape a black cloth over the end that was poking out. Uh, as it was taken to the nearby Upper Alton Cemetery, which was then known as Oakwood Cemetery. His headstone is really, really pretty. It's very simple. It's gigantic. Of course. And I'll dro- I'll have to pull it up and drop it into the chat, but it's kind of phallic, honestly. And I want to oh. know if y'all feel the same way. It's very strange because his, he's buried like in the middle of his siblings and they have these like normal size headstones. And then Roberts is like... <laughs> massive but it's a gorgeous I feel like that's appropriate it's a gorgeous yeah. headstone it only lists his name his dates and that it says at rest so you would Aww. never know that this gigantic man is buried in the cemetery oh uh, his vault was sealed with concrete because humans are trash yeah. and his they didn't want his grave messed with and his yeah. parents burned most of his belongings because they didn't want people making a spectacle of him and putting yeah. things on display so it's That's it's really yeah. sweet. i understand and since the guinness book of world records first began tracking records in 1955 he has been recognized as the world's tallest man ever and thanks to advances in medicine that record is not likely to be surpassed yeah um in 1984, a committee began petitioning for a memorial to be placed in Alton, and the following year, a life-size statue was unveiled on the campus of Shirtliff College, which is now Illinois University School of Dental Medicine, oh. and there's also a replica of his Masonic chair that you can, like, oh, cool. sit in and take your oh, picture neat. in, hmm. um, but it's really neat, and it's like, you know, it's it's a way they're celebrating him and honoring just what a good guy he was while also being like you know this is pretty insane this guy was a very very large man yeah and it's just and i mean i think that's the case with most people that suffer from gigantism or um i can't think of the the word that a lot of them are diagnosed with marfan syndrome Mm -hmm. um it's just really sad that you know it's so, so many health consequences. There's so many health issues. Yeah. 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 I think there was a movie uh Billy Crystal did years ago called My Giant, mm-hmm. where it was the guy that was the giant had Marfan syndrome and wound up um passing away in the movie. And yeah, it's just sad. And I can't figure out where the chat yeah. feature is so I could show you this dang picture. Put it in Facebook Messenger like we send uh, everything else. Like we do everything else. Let's see. Right. I gotta find the one that's like his um yeah let me see well yeah and like i said i mean you just want to live your normal life and just go about which i know normal is relative but right. you know you just want to go and live your life and i just would think people would point and stare and just be jerks about right. it you know yeah and, and of course the world is not made for differently abled people no well especially God back then especially yeah, especially back then. Sure. Uh, I got to send yeah. a code to myself. Uh, hold on. Do, 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 do. Oh. Enter the six digit code we just sent off. <clears throat> Sorry. It didn't send me a code. It's supposed it to send you to have a code. Because it doesn't want me to be able to get onto Facebook. Oh, bastards. 
I, we'll just I'll show you later and we'll come okay. we'll come back to it at the end but y'all it sounds good and and it'll be shared in the socials but oh, yeah. y'all it is a very uh like it's phallic and it just <laughs> towers over his brother and sisters and I'm just like yeah it does Robert I'm so here for it. I'll, I'll have plenty of pictures um to share of both Robert with his family his headstone and um his monument because it's really cool cool love it all right hannah all right so in keeping with the brand we are going to talk about well we know Lori has a collection of creepy dolls <laughs> yes um, sheena what are your feelings about dolls um i love them but not the creepy i mean i love barbies Mm-hmm. even as a grown woman i love barbies and um but if you're talking about like say a robert the dog type of thing i like it for its creepy value how would but, you feel about an island that is entirely haunted you're dolls? doing the island of dolls oh my god what voice was that mcduff just freaked <laughs> out i'm so sorry mcduff he was like what is that noise the island of Do- is so creepy yes tell all me all about right. it we are talking about la isla de las muñecas or the island of the dolls um which is a sort of island called a chinampa um in the laguna de tequila in the channels of xochimilco in the uh south center of mexico city Mm -hmm. and that is all of my my spanish pronunciation for today um, I'm I'm going to interrupt you real quick. I'm sorry if y'all heard a crunching thing. I thought I put myself on mute. I'm eating a granola bar, so I apologize <laughs> if you were chewing on. there for a few seconds. Uh, I'm going to mute myself oh. now so I can finish this little snacky. So you've seen this island. Um, Ghost Adventures went there. Actually, one of my favorite shows that is no longer on air, but I bought the series so I can watch it whenever I want. Um, Destination Truth went there. Yep. Uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved went there. BuzzFeed Unsolved, yeah. Of I was all say. of the episodes that have gone there, the Destination Truth episode is my favorite. Um, I have a soft spot for that show. But so the story goes The Island of the Dolls was originally owned by Julian Santana Barrera. Um, and it's chock full of dolls, just head to toe, inch to inch, dolls and spiders. That that's what, yeah, that's what's there. Terrifying. Um, so give me the is, dolls, don't give me yeah. the spiders. So it started in the 1950s when Santana was hanging out on the island, chilling, doing his thing, and a body of a young girl. Don't know how old, nobody ever says, but it's a legend, so we don't need specifics. Um, and it's the 1950s in Mexico City. There might not be specifics. Um, but she was found on the banks of his little chinampa um, and covered in water lilies. Keep that in mind. Um, you know, it's very traumatic. I can't imagine finding a dead child. That would just fuck my life up so but he kept hearing her cry saying i want my doll so being superstitious as he is he gave her a doll um he put a doll close to where he had found her body 
and was like, okay, maybe, you know, this will, this will kind of appease her spirit. And the dolls kept appearing (laughs) and appearing and appearing and appearing. (laughs) And so he was like, you know what? Okay. (laughs) And so he would bring her dolls as well to kind of like keep her spirit appeased. Um, again, we're we're a suspicious or a superstitious folk. Yeah. Um, in two thousand and one, he died of a heart attack in the same spot where he found the little girl's body. Oh well, that's not creepy at all. Not at all. Um, his death and the little girl of myth and legends' death was not the only deaths close to this island. Um, in nineteen eighty seven, an eco tourist also died and was found covered in water lilies um it after he died in 2001 it kind of became a tourist attraction because it's a damn good story (laughs) yeah i mean so lots of people come out like i said shows and uh, various people um and folks will come out. You can only get to the island by boat. It's in sort of... So the really cool thing about Mexico City um, that the Aztecs did was they essentially built the city on these islands. So they built these man-made islands out of, like, grass and reeds. And they just built it up entirely from that. And so you do... It's almost like Venice in that you have these mm-hmm. channels and stuff that go through it because they essentially built it to the middle of the lake and so that's why on mexico's flag the eagle is in the middle of a lake because mexico city was built in the middle of the lake cool um my people are incredibly uh interesting folks yeah the (laughs) more you know (laughs) right yeah very resourceful um the boats that you need to get there are really cool they look like mardi gras floats if they were boats (laughs) it's called a trajanera um it says most rowers are willing to transport people to the island, but there are those who will not do it because they're superstitious. Mm-hmm. Um, and bet. most of the operators will not come after dark. So if you want to get off the island via um, Trajanera, you best be getting there before dusk <laughs> because they're not fucking with you. Um, this is why... Um, People of color do not engage with ghosties. Um, And then my Caucasian genes just come right on out because I'm like, let's go play with ghosties. (laughs) Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? Right? I mean, what's a possession? Who cares? Yeah. In addition to the hundreds of dolls, and there are hundreds of dolls, the island also contains a little museum. Love that for them. (laughs) Yeah. With articles about... Um, with you know newspaper clippings about the owner and just about the island in general they have a little store um, which it looks like it used to be his house Um, in the room you can see the first doll that Santana had collected as well as Augustina his favorite doll some of the visitors place offerings around the dolls in exchange for miracles and blessings and some others change their clothes and maintain it as a form of worship oh okay humans will pack bond with anything yeah that's true 
So it is listed by the Guinness Book of World Records as the place with the most haunted dolls in the world. <laughs> and it is on my list. I desperately want to go. Um, I really want to go to Mexican Mexico City and do Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. Um, also, like my family, we were from what we've been able to trace. We're from not far from Mexico City. We're from Jalisco. Um, so, you know, my dream is to one day take mom down there and, you know, not only get to see all the cool stuff, but also like get into the churches and look at the records and see if we can't find out where our family came from. Um, because the legend, since we're talking about Mexican legends is my great, great grandmother was married to a man. And then she ran away with my great, great grandpa. Ooh, Ooh, scandalous. Uh, and they I went, love it. They ran off to the States together. So, oh, okay. That's cool. We have a long history of being hoes in my family, <laughs> <laughs> which I've said before like, ancestry really needs a they weren't married, we're just sluts feature <laughs> yeah. when you're building your family tree because it's like yeah. oh did the, this what what was the date of their wedding i'm like no they weren't married no. they just have a baby <laughs> like exactly like i don't know what to tell you one they of my just uncles like... was married a few times I'm like, they just like to bone yeah exactly i'm like you know we're 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 spicy people so that is la isla De las uh, I did not know that it had the distinction. I don't know why I didn't know this of being like the island with the most haunted dolls ever. But I'm like, who's in second place? Like, right. <laughs> you and know like, what I mean? Like, some of these world records with? are pretty random. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? They earned it. So you got to give it to them. Yeah. Very true. Absolutely. All right. I'm so excited to hear about this last one. Yeah. yeah. So. Yes, I couldn't help but do a second story when I found out about this this non-human creature um, because I had this weird thing where like I don't I like cats and I like dogs and I like squirrels um, but you know like farm animals that's a Hannah thing and that's a Lori thing. I um, showed chickens in 4-H. Yes I, you but did. Yet, I like the idea idea of chickens and i like puns about chickens you know like when you see chickens. you know how you see like those angry chicken photos and it says stay out of this coop mother clucker like <laughs> things like that i live for have you seen Calling... the one where the rooster goes bah, yes bah, <laughs> gawk, yes yes listen i don't know why but chicken puns are my life if <laughs> you say are on my knee from a tangle with a rooster when I was I'm, young. I'm so. telling you, just say calling someone a mother clucker just gives me life, and I never do it, but I should to. open a chicken strip restaurant <laughs> <laughs> called Bagok Mother Cluckers. Chicken strip, and then like we strip. No, we're not going to. Oh, oh. no, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> we would be paid to put our me. clothes back. Yeah, on. we would. <laughs> I'm going to tell the story super quickly. <gasps> or we could say, come get your cock out. Oh my God. The other, anyway. well, when I thought about boobs and food, I thought of Hooters, which made me think of the other night I was at Spencer's house and we could hear this owl hooting. Oh. <laughs> and Spencer, of course, was like, oh my God, you can hear this owl. It's hooting. I said, well, hoot back at it. And he goes, I swear to God, in the gayest way possible. And I say that with love. Hootie hoo. And oh I'm like, God. the 
Owl that? does not speak in hooty hoo. And then he looks back at me. He says, I just said hooty hoo to that owl. I'm like, yes, you did. Anyway. So in honor of the chickens of the Murdoch case, of which there were several, (laughs) there was the chicken in Bubba the lab's mouth, which is why we got Alex on video. And that's how we know he was at the crime scene at the time of the crimes. And the chicken who laid the 12 dozen eggs that the woman, the (laughs) juror who um, had to be kicked out, uh, brought those 12. 12 eggs to court um in honor of those chickens who made my life this past month we're going to talk about matilda the chicken so picture it 1990 in fairfield alabama which is just all these stories take place in in alabama don't they yes they do so there is a couple of best in in bessemer alabama called keith and donna barton and They like to perform on stage under the names of Mort the Mystifying and Donna. (laughs) Donna just uses her real name. Keith becomes Mort the Mystifying. You know Donna rolls her eyes every single time. Yes. Like, Uh, really, Mort? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, they were amateur uh, magicians, and they were hoping to go pro. And they wanted to have a chicken in their act, as you do. So on October 19th, like I said, two Libras, um, Herb was a Libra and so is this chicken. Um, On October 19th, 1990, they purchased a chicken at the Alabama State Fairgrounds in Fairfield. I don't know exactly when she was born, so we're just going to say she's a Libra. Either way, they named Matilda, they named the chicken Matilda after the Australian folk song Waltzing matilda because she liked to step side to side as if she were waltzing in her cage now when i think side to side i think about that Nicki minaj and ariana grande song but whatever (laughs) Um, 90s were a different time they were um i don't even know if ariana grande was born by the time (laughs) probably not the same time as this chicken anyway matilda um is thought to have been descended from the red pile color variation of the old english game breed as if that means anything to anyone. Yeah. It kind of, I mean, she kind of, bless her heart, she kind of looks like the same color as Alex Murdoch's hair before they <laughs> shaved it off and when he went to prison today. Anyway, did you know they shave the heads of I prisoners before so they don't get lice? I did mm-hmm. not know that. That's... Fun fact to know and tell. Anyway, we're going back to Matilda. The pair, uh, that is Donna and Mort, began, or Keith, but whatever, um, (laughs) began training Matilda to be a part of their act. So to make her magically appear, Keith would produce an egg from two cardboard tubes, which were shown to be empty, and then he nested one inside of the other. He would crack the egg and drop the contents into an empty pan and add a few drops of hot sauce. He would place the lid on the pan. I guess he would say magic words. Nothing was mentioned about magic words, but to me, aren't you supposed to have some magic words? Some abracadabra. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what he said. I'm going to believe that that's what he said. And then he would lift the lid to reveal Matilda. Love it. Wow. So um, the general lifespan of a chicken is about seven or eight years, but Matilda's magic career would span for over a decade. That's right, humans and non-humans. Matilda is the world's oldest living chicken. 
Damn. Wow. Okay, and she was also, this was I not the chicken I thought she was. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. You were thinking story. the headless chicken, right? I was yeah. thinking uh, the piano playing chicken, but maybe oh. that was. Uh, How many from chickens are they? The golden, maybe I was thinking of the Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah. Chicken from that. Yeah, I, I do remember. love that episode. Um, but anyway, no, I somehow I came across Matilda and I'm like, I'm sorry. Not only was she the world's oldest living chicken, but she was also a magician. I love this. Like, you know, that's amazing. Anyway, um, a fun fact, she never produced eggs, which is oh. why some people, veterinarians especially, believe she lived as long as she did. Because she was like, you know what? I cannot be bothered with a husband and, and kids. Like, I'm going to Well, they forever. do eggs regardless. Yes. You didn't know they. that? Yeah. yeah. That's, no. Well, well I yeah. I do that... not do farm <laughs> stuff. I'm that's say how you, you get only eggs. get fertilized eggs if you have a rooster. But if you don't have a rooster, you'll still have eggs. There just will never be a baby in them. Yeah, well, she didn't want none of that. She didn't want to even. She was like, "I'm not drop even a regular egg." Fuck she didn't shit. even want to have a regular egg to even entice a rooster to come near her. Good for her. <laughs> yes. No, I don't. Do you really think I would know anything about how chickens reproduce? You're from Pontotoc, Family house has llamas right next to it. No, they're emus. Okay. <laughs> they're not mine they're my neighbors your mom <laughs> has pet birds you should know how eggs are laid yeah but they don't they've never laid an egg um <laughs> no my neighbors down the road okay fun fact my neighbors down the road they do have a big farm with um i mean it's right when you're coming like out of my mom's driveway basically they have emus and sheeps and all kinds of cute little animals and there is a road named after my neighbor right behind our house. And I always thought she must have died 500 years ago to have a, na- a road named after her. Oh, no, she's still alive. I was like, <laughs> I've just learned this recently. I'm like, that woman? She's st- Anyway, Love it. I keep getting away from Matilda. Back to Matilda. No, I don't know how chickens are made, okay? <laughs> I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. I don't care. The egg. Anyway. Yeah, that's usually my guess, too. Anyway, in 2001, when she was 11, and remember, most chickens don't live but to be seven or eight, um, they contacted, Keith and Donna contacted the Guinness uh, World Records, and they verified her age. It took some time, and at 14, 14, she was declared the world's oldest living chicken. Her uh, parents were presented with a congratulatory letter and official certificate. And then Keith, Donna, and Matilda made an appearance on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, where Matilda strutted on the desk and played with her favorite toy and did an impersonation of the NBC Peacock. Love it. I love it. Uh, She was a sassy old bird. So um, after her Tonight Show appearance, she kind of became a little celebrity, and she started doing uh, celebrity appearances in and around Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> and on, Feb- on September 22nd, 2005, the Greater Birmingham Humane Society held their annual awards luncheon where they gave away the Olivia Bearden Award, which recognizes the service of an animal to another living creature. And that award was given to Matilda. And of course, Aww. she magically appeared to receive <gasps> the award. Love it. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. A queen till the end. Um, shortly after receiving this award, though, she did retire from show business due to age related health problems. And she
she died on February 11th, 2006. So she was about 16. Damn. Since her passing, she has received more honors. The Southeastern Association of Magicians and Ring 35 of the International Brotherhood of Magicians performed a broken perch ceremony, which is uh, based on the broken wand ceremony, which (laughs) formally recognized and honored her work by the magic community. So instead of it a broken wand, it was a broken perch. That's so cute. It was the first time a magician's animal was recognized and honored, which I I thought was sweet. And then uh, the Alabama Veterinary Medical Association inducted Matilda into the Alabama Hall of Fame on September 9th, 2006 at a black tie dinner, because that's what you want a black tie dinner is a uh, chicken. Absolutely. McDuff is, again, trying to get my thing anyway let me rephrase that i don't want to (laughs) say mcduff was trying to get my thing mcduff is trying to get my candies um anyway we don't know where matilda's buried um her mom and dad keith and donna wanted it to be a place of honor in alabama but they didn't find one they liked and they said they were going to keep her frozen until they found that place that worries me because as we all know in that famous golden girls episode we know how that chicken or well we thought that's what aunt angela did with that that chicken um but she didn't she didn't kill they should taxidermy it chicken yeah they should (laughs) anyway that is the world's longest living chicken who was also a magician's animal i love it i just can't believe i said those words i (laughs) wish we had a uh resting place for her she deserves one god knows rest in peace matilda do you think peace you bad bitch (laughs) all right y'all i'm sending the picture now through messenger i wasn't gonna wasn't gonna send it in the middle of the story i could just tell already i could just tell already yep you're (laughs) you're not wrong it's right there and then those ones around her siblings it's like my god man got a flared base so that's good it's I, a gorgeous headstone. It it's is beautiful. Very but it's like, okay, it's a little phallic. Is, and then bless his little siblings. Little... I like the placement though, how the siblings yeah. are like around him. And you can tell like that is a long grave. That's a long, yeah. Mm-hmm. Somehow you can tell. You shouldn't be able to tell, but yet you can tell. Yeah, mm. that's that's yeah. Mm. Okay. I'm glad, it's, I'm glad I'm not just a, a perv. <laughs> to 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 quote I'm the Golden Girls. Um that reminds me i need to give charlie milburn a call because that's one of those <laughs> that's dirty so I'm... every time i see it on tiktok where it's like you know something like spurts out or something and the creator goes i should call him <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my God. i'm i'm in this uh facebook group that is all about golden girl memes and anytime there's anything even remotely shaped like <laughs> like a man that's what someone says is it, it reminds me to give charlie milburn a call and then dorothy says you know oh if that reminds you of charlie milburn we could both give him a call i know every episode by heart i need to go to bed because clearly i'm embarrassing myself no, anyway shit. it's amazing <laughs> um so our next episode which is going to come out shortly after hannah's birthday yeah. once i return from 
my southern adventure to visit my nibblings. Woo! But not me and Sheena. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're not even on the list. It's okay. You better. Sheena. Hey, look. I'm kidding. Flying no, into New Orleans, y'all can carry your little butts down here. Amber oh, will make room for you. I saw a TikTok. There was this girl who was in New Orleans, and she said the one thing she wanted to do. She went to this bar. They showed the name of it. And they do like it's a little plastic shark, and it's like oh. she does a little dance, and the oh, plastic shark spits out like red liquid into the drink. Yes, oh I, saw I saw that. I saw that same one. Shark. I, I saw that one so too. <laughs> I just had a flashback to a very drunk Lori on Bourbon Street. <laughs> yes, Halloween. Adam, who you were just starting to date. Yes, we saw and Jesus. saying it's saying yeah. We but right before we saw Jesus, I think you we had a buttery nipple. A buttery nipple. I remember that so <laughs> clear. Yeah. Just drunk oh, Lori so being like, "I told Adam, I just had a buttery nipple," and I was like, okay, "Yeah, was like, oh yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did." He could have run away, but he stayed. <laughs> Look, he knows what he signed up for. Yes, yep. Exactly. He had well, his chance. Speaking of good times, uh, we are going to cover drag queens and kings next week. Absolutely. Uh, to give a shout out to some of our favorite artists and performers throughout history. Because I don't know if anyone knows this, but drag has been going on since like the dawn of time. So, you know. There are Greek and Roman plays where men were dressing up as women. I mean, it's Well, I mean, the thing. era of Shakespeare. That's, yeah. I mean, women weren't in plays. Exactly. Right. But, you know, let's let's waste our time passing laws that it's are going like to do nothing but real problems. People. Yeah, I'm telling that's... you, I mean, you know, you can go blow a kid's head off in a school, but God forbid that child decide they need gender affirming care. Anyway, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, we are started. preaching to the choir. Uh, we better be. We better <laughs> yeah. be. No, okay, no they would have turned it off anti-trans. Long ago. I'm going to need you to just not. Yeah, they would have turned us off long ago. Probably so. Three um, harping women? What? Yeah, I know, the vocal fry. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like that um, one boss who tried to, like, imply he might be more feminist than me because he has daughters. And I was like, excuse what? me, sir. Oh, that's, that's. I was like, Yeah, okay. that's my favorite is when men are like, oh, I have daughters. So I, I didn't really become a feminist until I had daughters. Right. You didn't mm -hmm. see them as a person until you owned one. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for yeah, that. Yeah, you yep. had to own one before mm -hmm. you. Uh, anyway. Yep. All right. Yep. I'm going to, it's too late for me to be raging. Um, we it's hope been you a long will... week. We are <laughs> yes. very, very cranky. Um. Anyway, thank you for listening. Luhu, where can they find us online? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cemetery Row Pod, or you can send us an email to cemeteryrowpod at gmail.com. And we love hearing from you. <laughs> we really yes. do. Um, so yeah, so come see me at Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis and um write us an email leave us a review and subscribe and please tell your friends about us yes and um yeah thanks for listening y'all and if you, you work with me thank you for listening i uh <laughs> i pitched our show at a meeting a few weeks ago and nobody's mentioned it since it might not been the smartest thing to do but hey I would think your coworkers would be cool with that. And if you're I think one of my so coworkers too. and you're I think so. I love you. Yes. Yeah, same Z's. I, I know I have at least one that listens. So 
anyway um well yeah. and my former co-workers because i do know some of my former co-workers at that transportation place uh listen so oh hello ladies <laughs> anyway yeah all right and and a bigger shout out to total strangers who listen to us i don't exactly know do, yes thank you we love yes. you we love you the mostest yes absolutely <laughs> No, actually, the person we love the most is this Jamie. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> um, okay, for real, we're wrapping up. Okay. All right. Bye, Bye ladies. Bye.